reading today in John chapter 13, verse 1. Take out your Bibles, your smartphones, mark it up, remember this, because this will be life-changing for you. John 13, verse 1. It was then before the Passover festival that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Some translation said he loved them to the fullest. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And, and he knew that the father had put all things under his control, under his dominion, He knew that he was the Alpha and Omega. He knew who he was. He knew that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. He knew who he was. He knew all the authority that was under his feet, under his feet. And so he got up from the meal, and he took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Now, Peter said, no, said Peter, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one of you was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that's who I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher, I have washed your feet so you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do the way that I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do it. Now this morning, I want to continue my series entitled Love, Grow, Serve. And what we've discovered so far is that, that God wants us as a church to all go in the same direction, that, that, that we need to simplify church, that church can become so complex with so many ministries going in so many directions that sometimes a good idea turns into a really bad idea because we're not all going in the same direction. And as a result of that, 
the leaders have come together and they've said, we need a mission statement. We need a vision statement. We need the core values that we're going to live by. And so we tweaked the mission statement. We tweaked the vision statement. We tweaked the core values. And we said, this is what we're going to do. And we're all going to do this together. And our vision statement is clear that we envision people everywhere experiencing gospel transformation, that that we want people to understand that it's the heart of the gospel. We envision gospel transformation in individuals, in communities, and the world, because it's the power of the gospel that changes individuals, and that our mission statement is clear, that we make disciples that... We make disciples that love the world and serve. We make disciples that love the world and serve. There you go. Now you got it. Now you got it. And that, that our core values are the way that we do things and that, that we value biblical understanding, that we value diversity and we want to be unified in all that we do. And we want to really be a community of believers, a New Testament community of believers that really love and care for one another. And we need to be missional. We need to be incarnate Jesus to our community. And we need to do everything with excellence. We, we might not be the largest church in the world, but every service, every Everything we do, we do it with everything that we have inside of us, with all of our energy, with everything that we know how to do it with, because Jesus deserves nothing but the best from us. Somebody say amen. amen. And a couple of weeks ago, we discovered that our lives need to be grounded and rooted in love. I mean, this thing, this word has been so burning in my heart. I spent time with my spiritual son this week, and I said, Anthony, I said, man, when our life is rooted and grounded in God's love, no matter what happens in our life, even when we're on our deathbed, we will say God is good. He's always good. His mercy follows us every day of our life, no matter what's going on in our life, even when I'm persecuted, even when I don't understand why things happen in my life. I'm still going to praise the Lord. Why? Because his love goes deeper than any situation in our life. And when we understand the love of God, when we understand it so deep and wide and high and long, then we can say, God, I want to love you back. And God, I want to love my neighbor as myself. We've been talking about one groups and how important it is to have community groups where we gather together. And man, the stories that I'm hearing are so wonderful to hear how you guys are loving one another and caring about one another. And it just makes me so excited to know that we've got a community filled with people who really, really love God and love their neighbor as themselves. And now we need to go deeper in this, and we're going to be working on this in the next couple of months. And then last week, we talked about growing, the necessity of growing in the Word and growing in grace. And guys, you really stepped up big, man. I am so proud of you. You know, I was away, I've been traveling a little bit, a lot, and, um, and, and I was away last week in Missouri meeting with Convoy of Hope, a wonderful organization. We've been talking about real partnership, taking the gospel around the country and, and doing incredible works around the world. In fact, I'm going to gather together with a group of pastors on Friday morning, and we're going to be talking about really doing something to make a difference in all the disasters that are happening. We're talking about sending teams and get ready because we're really putting into place where we could start sending some teams out to help with the, 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 the devastation. And, and you know, we, we could talk about it, we could talk about it, we could talk about it, but it's, it's time for action, folks. It's time for action. 
And, and I thank God for you. I thank God for this church that we were able to send 13 truckloads of supplies, uh, totaling over a half a million dollars worth of supplies. Come on, somebody. Because you guys have stepped up huge, huge, huge. But now we're going to send teams out. That's so important. But man, so I'm, I'm, I'm away in Missouri doing meetings, but I'm thinking, I'm really praying and thinking about Wednesday night. Wednesday night, Grow University, are they going to show up? You guys showed up in record numbers. I mean, just in our foundations class, we had over 100 people taking foundations. It was amazing, amazing. I mean, this place was hopping. It was packed. There's no place. We got to build a bigger building. Come on, somebody. It's, all, it's amazing, and, and there's still time for you to respond and go to Grow University. Man, I'm telling you, the classes that we got, we are committed to growing in knowledge. We're committed to growing in the Word. We're committed to growing in grace. But today, I want to talk to you about something that I think is so paramount for every one of us to understand, to get into our spirit so that we can do the things that God has called us to do. So let's run to the text and let's let it speak to us. Let's examine the image of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Let's examine the picture of Jesus taking on the role of a servant and serving his disciples. Let's see the context and the environment so that we can be like Jesus. And how do we do this? How do we become more like Jesus? The setting happens one day before Jesus is crucified. Can you imagine Jesus, how he's feeling? Can you imagine the emotions that are running through his heart and and the images that are running through his mind as he knows he's God, he understands. He understands the pain. He understands the suffering. He understands the pain of being rejected. He understands the pain of being hung on a cross like a criminal. He understands all that he's gonna have to go through. But John tells us that Jesus loves his disciples to the fullest extent, to the end. To the end. And as a result of that, Jesus does something amazing. I don't know about you, but if I was going to die, if I was going to be rejected by my best friends, if I was going to be beaten and whipped, if I was going to be spit at and laughed at, if I was going to be hung on a cross like a piece of meat, I'm not sure that I would want to go to a party. I'm not sure that I would want to go to have a meal. Now, I guess some of you, if you were going to die the day before, you would probably really pig out. I mean, you'd eat everything in sight. But not me. I, I would not be hungry. If I knew that I was going to be hanging on a cross the next day, I wouldn't be thinking about a party. I wouldn't be thinking about a celebration. I wouldn't be thinking about a meal. But it's Passover time. And I certainly wouldn't be thinking about washing my disciples' feet. But the Bible tells us that in this context, his disciples really didn't get it. They didn't understand what was going to happen. They didn't understand their place in the kingdom. They didn't understand who Jesus really was and what he was about to do. They didn't get it. In fact, the disciples were arguing with one another who was going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. 
Two of his disciples sent their mother to do their dirty work and, and asked their mother to ask Jesus when he gets into his kingdom and when he's sitting on his throne. You see, because they're thinking that Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman government and he's going to sit on his messianic throne like David did. And, and, and they sent their mother to ask Jesus, listen, when you get there, can my son sit on my right, on your right and on your left? And Jesus says, you don't understand what you're asking for. Can you drink of the same cup that I'm going to drink? And they said, yeah, we can. <laughs> they're thinking they're going to drink champagne. They're thinking they're going to drink wine. They're not thinking that they're going to drink the, the cup of suffering and become a servant like Jesus. They argued about how many people and how many times they should forgive people when they hurt them. And at times they seemed arrogant and proud. At times they had no faith. At times they were just trying to look out for number one. And when Jesus told them to find some food and serve people, they made all kinds of excuses why they shouldn't have served people. That's not their job. There was even a time when his disciples wanted to call down fire from heaven because they rejected Jesus and that they wanted to barbecue all the people because certainly they, they, they actually should have accepted the message of Jesus. There was even a time when they found a servant who was serving the kingdom and doing good and they said, hey, this guy doesn't have credentials with the assemblies of God and so they know he, we should tell him to stop doing what he's doing. Other times they were afraid. Most of the times they were self-centered. And now Jesus looks at his disciples and John tells us that Jesus wants to express to them the fullest extent of his love for them. He loves them all the way to the end. And what does he do? He takes off his outer garments. He takes off what he's wearing. He's wearing majesty beyond human conception. He's, he's wearing divinity beyond intellectual capacity. He's wearing glory beyond comprehension. He's wearing power beyond understanding. He's wearing an outer garment and he strips himself of his outer garment. He strips himself of his power suit. I don't know exactly what he was wearing, but he was a rabbi and rabbis used to wear some fancy stuff. And so he stripped himself of his clothing. And I know some of you are getting really worried right now. They're like, he, 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 he has lost his mind, but he, he stripped himself. And you know, the truth is in those days, in the Bible times, actually what he was really doing is he was actually taking off all of his clothes. He took everything off except for a little bitty thing on his waist. Don't worry, ladies, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. My wife already told me that don't come home if you do that. But he, but he stripped himself of his power suit. He stripped himself of his outer garment because he wanted to make a point. And he took off everything and, and he bowed as low as he could. And the Bible says that he took a towel and he wrapped that towel around him because he wanted to make a point. He wanted his disciples to recognize that he was calling them to do something that they had never understood before in their life. You see, I want for a moment, and I want you to, for a moment, to imagine 
with me what foot washing was really all about in Jesus' day. You see, foot washing in Jesus' day was the most demeaning act of servanthood and slavery that you could ever do. And when someone came to your house, there was always a servant. That servant was not Jewish because a Jewish servant could not wash the feet of people. But that servant was appointed to wash the feet of the people that came into the house. And when Jesus gets up and he stoops as low as he can, when he strips himself of his power suit and he gets as low as he can and he washes his disciples' feet, he was absolutely, without doubt, he was making a statement. And the statement was that he's going to do something that's never been done before. I'm not sure what happened to my mic. There you go. He takes off his outer garment and basically strips down and places a big towel around him and he gets as low as he can. He gets as low as he can. He doesn't just wash their head. He gets as low as he can and he washes their feet. He gets a wash basin. And in those days in Roman Greco culture, not even in Jewish culture, Washing somebody's feet was a symbol of the lowest of the lowest. You can't get any lower than that as a servant. Not even Jewish servants would stoop that low. That was the lowest of the lowest you can go. And you see, in those days, the rabbis, they used to talk a good talk. They used to tell people that they should love one another. The rabbis used to preach about love. Rabbis used to preach about serving one another being united with one another. You know, and I, I was actually tempted this morning, and the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. I was tempted this morning to get a wash basin and act so humble in front of you. I was tempted to get a wash basin and wash my pastor's feet in front of you. And the Holy Spirit said, don't do that. You know why? Because people have already seen that already. Church services are filled with people that are ceremonially washing one another's feet in the service. But God's not interested in what happens on the platform. God's interested in what's happening in my life on a daily basis. Hallelujah. And so I'm not trying to impress you. I need to get so low that I'm willing to say, yes, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it for you, Jesus. I'll get as low as you want me to go. I'll I'll go lower than you want me to go, God, because I love you and I was created to be like you. And when his disciples came into that upper room to celebrate the Passover, they were celebrating a time when they remembered that the lamb was slaughtered so that they could be free from slavery. They were to celebrate redemption. They were to celebrate their freedom from bondage, from slavery. And the truth is when the disciples walked into that room, they expected that someone would wash their feet as they entered into the upper room. But as they came in and they noticed that there was no slave present to wash their feet, I would imagine that they started to wonder, who's gonna wash the feet? We can't have this meal. We're not slaves any longer. We've been set free from slavery and bondage. And now we come to celebrate the Passover meal. And we're celebrating the Passover meal with the Messiah. 
We're celebrating that one day we're going to be free from even the Roman occupation. We're going to overthrow them and we're going to be kings one day with Jesus. And I'm sure as Jesus' guests arrived, there was dust on their feet. It wasn't only dust on their feet, but in those, day, in those days you had a lot of camels and horses You had a lot of donkeys walking in the street, and donkeys and camels and horses, they do some messy things. And now the dust that is on their feet is mixed with cow dung. And now the dust on their feet is mixed with camel dung. Jesus gets as low as he can. He takes off their sandals, and he begins to wash the hands that were as pure as they could ever be, the hands that knew no sin, the hands that knew no filth, the hands that created the heavens and the earth gets as low as he can get. And he begins to wash his disciples' feet. He begins to wash the cow dung that is mixed with the dust on their feet. And Jesus and the disciples, as they enter into this room, I suppose that some of the disciples wondered if there's no servant and we need somebody to wash our feet, then maybe, no, 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 uh, 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 no no way. I'm not going there. I'm not risking washing anybody's feet. Because once I, once I walk into that role, I may never get out of that role of being a servant. I'm not supposed to be a servant. I'm supposed to be sitting at the right hand of the Messiah, at the left hand of the Messiah. If I, if I volunteer to do this, I might get stuck with this job forever. They might like the way I wash their feet. Jesus might just say, hey, you're a good foot washer. This is your job. And if you've been in churches for more than a week, you know that kind of thinking occurs all the time in our hearts, at least. I don't want to get stuck with that job. Mm -mm. Nursery's not for me. I don't change my own kid's diaper. That's my wife's job. They must have wondered, who forgot to set up the foot washing ceremony? Who forgot to get the slave? Who forgot to set up the wash basin? And all the disciples knew, our feet are dirty. And we can't partake in the most important meal of the year. We can't celebrate the most important act of God's redemption and freedom from slavery without a ceremonial cleansing. In fact, bathing and being clean before you go into a religious ceremony was mandatory. And now the disciples are saying to themselves, who's going to do this before we eat? All the disciples are saying to themselves, surely someone needs to go and find a slave that's going to wash our feet because there's no way I'm going to do that. After all, we're a part of the chosen 12. And just then the unthinkable happens. The rabbi, the teacher, the mentor, the messiah, the king takes off his robe of authority, takes off his shoal of position and power and honor, 
takes off his role of teacher and leader and assumes the role of the lowest of low servants. And one by one, even Judas, the man who's going to betray Jesus, one by one, he takes off their sandals and he looks in their eyes and begins to wash their dirty, filthy feet. And the night before, he's going to be horrifically executed executed on a cross like a common criminal. He looks around the room and he can only see proud hearts and dirty feet. And what does he do? He doesn't preach a sermon. He doesn't teach a lesson. He doesn't rebuke or chastise. He doesn't correct or coerce. He simply takes off his outer garment he takes a towel and a wash basin, and he stoops as low as you can go. And I was thinking about that. I wonder if the president of the United States, I don't know, I don't know who you like, who you don't like, who's your favorite president, but could you imagine for a moment if one of the presidents that you admire and respect and you honor, it comes to your house, and when he knocks on the door, you open the door, and you're kind of like that little girl, you know, when Peter came to the house, you shut the door, ah! president is here the president what are the house is a mess it's a filthy mess i can't believe the president of the united states is here and you open the door you crack open the door and say uh excuse me um uh could you give me about 10 minutes i've i've just got to get some things straightened up in the house and the president of the united states says to you i know you see we've had surveillance cameras in your house <laughs> and your house is not the cleanest house on the block i know and your toilet bowls need a real cleaning. I mean, they need a real scrubbing. And I've come here to scrub down and clean your toilet bowls. I mean, friends, it's much more dramatic than that. It's much more poignant than that. It's much more dramatic than that because the Son of God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lord of glory, the Prince of peace, the morning star, the one who was and is, who will always be the bread of life, our Redeemer, our righteousness, the light of the world, the, the one who came and will come again as a ruling and reigning Messiah and King, King of kings and Lord of lords. He stooped down and he does something that blows our mind. He went to the lowest regions in our society and Jesus washed our feet when he died on the cross. I mean, that's the heart of the gospel. That Jesus said, I, I didn't come to be served. He said, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. That's the heart of the gospel. But you see, some of us, we can't embrace the gospel because our feet are dirty and our hearts are proud. See, the gospel is so simple. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm dirty on the inside. You're dirty on the inside. I'm dirty on the outside. You're dirty on the outside. And we need a savior. 
And the, the heart of the gospel is that we can't clean ourselves up. We can't get ourselves clean enough to be in the presence of a holy God. We can't do enough religious things. We can't do enough things to make God love us any more than he loves us right now. And he knows that we're sinners and there's only one way. There's only one way that we can be set free from the slavery of sin. Jesus Christ had to get off his throne and come down to earth and he had to clean our hearts out and the Lord of glory stooped as low as he can and you see when you say you don't need a savior what you're really saying is you're just like Peter you're not going to wash my feet no way you see serving and ministry go hand in hand and you can't do ministry without serving and the truth is too much of ministry today is less about serving and more about being served I mean, think about it. Our churches are actually all set up to take care of the needs of people or the wants of people. The truth is, people come to church so often saying, what can I get from the church? And as a result of that, we have a, a consumer mentality where, where we want the pastor to take care of me. We want the pastor to feed me. We want, we want the church to take care of my needs. And so what do we do as pastors? Oh, we know that people are not going to come to our church unless we have ministries for every need that they have. And now we set up a consumer mentality where people think, you know what? I come to church because I have a need. I come to church because God's going to meet my need. I come to church expecting God to do something. That's just the way it is. That the mentality of the church today is what makes me happy, what makes me feel good, what makes me look good, what makes me get ahead in ministry, even when I serve. But when I serve, really serve other people with no strings attached, with no motives, with no agendas, other than to give myself away, then and only then do I become like Jesus. <sighs> when I come and I say, God, here I am, no matter what it takes, Lord, and I'm, I'm not doing this so that people can see, because you see, at the heart of a true servant, at the heart of a true servant, a slave of God, they don't serve because somebody's watching. They don't serve because they want a title. They don't serve because they want to get ahead. They don't serve because they're hoping that somebody's going to give them a degree. They don't serve because they're hoping that somebody's going to say, wow, you're so unbelievably awesome. Today, you look at churches, and churches have pastors who sit on their throne, and they sit on their throne expecting people to serve them, and they don't really realize that the worst thing they can do is put themselves in front of people, and the best thing they can do is to serve the people and set an example of what it really means to be a servant. Why? Because then we can have a servolution. We can have a revolution of people who are not in it for the themselves, but they're in it for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't even serve. Listen to me. You don't even serve for other people. You serve for Jesus. And when you're serving for Jesus, when you do it all for the glory of God, because you're radically in love with Jesus, because you have seen the way that he served you, then you'll give a cold glass of water to somebody. And Jesus said, every time you do it, you do it in my name and you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for me. And you're doing it because you're like me. Have you ever prayed, I want to be like Jesus? 
Well, guess what? You just got your job description. You're a foot washer. Hmm. And you just got your tool of the trade. He gives you a towel. And he said, go wash people's dirty feet. See, when you serve, you become like Jesus. So he comes to, to Peter. The Bible says in verse 6, when he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing right now, Peter, but later you'll understand. Trust me, Peter. Trust me. You're going to understand. No way, Jesus. There's no way that I'm going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus said, and, unless I wash your feet, you can't really be my disciple. You see, really what Peter was saying is, Jesus, you're blowing my mind right now. Jesus, get up off your feet, Jesus. Jesus, get up. come on, Jesus. Don't, don't do that, Jesus. Have you ever had somebody literally wash your feet? It's, it's, it's humbling on both ends. You're just like, I'm, like I, I had somebody wash my feet. I'm like, dude, don't, dude, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because it just breaks you when you see somebody get that low. But you see, Peter, Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet because he wasn't looking at Jesus as a servant. He was looking at Jesus as a reigning Messiah. And Jesus, you're messing me up right now. You're messing with my head. You don't belong on the floor. You belong on a throne, Jesus. Lord, you don't belong washing my feet. You belong conquering the, the Romans. Lord, you're a Messiah. You don't do that. Messiahs don't do this. Not even rabbis do this. Not even Jewish servants do this. Lord, you're messing with my head and there's no way you're going to wash my feet. You see, because... We have a different perspective of who Jesus should be in our life. And Jesus washes his feet. And when he gets to Peter, Peter says, there's no way. Jesus, don't make me see you bow down and wash anybody's feet. Jesus, get up and be a king. Jesus, get up and be a ruler. Jesus, get up and be the master of everything. But Jesus, don't do that because you're blowing, my, you're blowing my perception of who you are. Peter was saying, Jesus, I'm not into this servant stuff. But Jesus said, Peter, if you don't accept this act of humility and embrace servanthood, you can't really be like me. Why? Because Peter, the kingdom of God is all about serving. In fact, Peter, the son of man did not come to be served. Peter, in this world, men will want to be served. In this world, people will want to lead for their own benefit. People will want to lord it over others. People will want to be in charge for the sake of what's in it for them. But a true disciple, a true leader is a servant of others. Because no servant is above his master. And now I have given you this example so that you might know that in my kingdom, the greatest must become the least and the first must become the last. And the greatest position in my kingdom is a servant. And if you really want to be my, like me, you've got to pick up the towel of servanthood and you've got to serve like I came to serve. I love what Paul says because he picks up this theme in Philippians chapter two, if you want to turn to it, you could turn to it. But, but notice what Paul tells us about how we should live out our Christian faith. Paul tells, tells the, the church in Philippi, if, if, if I've got any encouragement in seeing your 
progress as a Christian. If you're living out your mission statement, love, grow, serve, then you're really going to be like Jesus because you're going to, you're going to put people in front of yourself. He said, if I've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community uh, of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. He said, agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends and don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top, but put yourself aside and help other people get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget yourself long enough to come to church and say, here I am, I'm here to serve in my church. I'm here to serve in my community. I'm here to serve in my world. Think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think it so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, a slave, a servant, and he became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible, humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then he died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death that you could ever imagine, death on a cross. Because you see, secondly, when we serve, we actually fulfill one of our God-given purposes in life. You know, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight tells us that you have been saved through grace. And it's by faith that God has given you in your heart lest any man should boast that it is a free gift from God, that you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you've been saved by grace and grace alone. But Ephesians chapter two, verse nine and 10 tells us that the very reason why we've been saved and we've been redeemed is because God loves us and he cares about us and he did it totally by grace and as a result of that, he said, now you've been created to serve others. You've been created to do good deeds to other people. He says, if God himself, who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus, and long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping other people. See, God calls you to a service far beyond anything you could ever imagine. You were put on this earth to make a contribution. I want you to say with me, I was put on this earth to make a contribution. You weren't created to just consume resources, to eat, to breathe, and to take up space. God designed you to make a difference with your life. You were created to add life to this earth, not just to take from it. God wants you to give something back. That's why the Bible says in our union with Christ Jesus, he created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. These good deeds are the service, 
These good deeds come out of a heart of ministry, and the word ministry means a servant. You know, when people call me pastor, when people call me reverend, when people say that I'm a minister, the word minister means a servant. That's what it means. In the Greek, it means to be a servant to others. And so when we get that title, remember what he's really saying to every one of us is we need to take off our power suits and wrap ourselves with a towel so that we can wash the feet of others. You see, you were created to serve. Everybody say with me, I was created to serve. Say it again, I was created to serve. Tell me the mission statement of Bethlehem Assembly of God. We make disciples that... Tell me the mission statement of Bethlehem Assembly of God. We make what? We make disciples that love, grow, serve. Why? Because we've been created to serve. That's why work is good. That's why when you stop working, you die. That's why you should never retire. You should just come to work for me. I'll put you to work, baby. I'll put you to work. You know what? Here's the truth. The truth is that I've seen too many people, they've worked really hard to collect all the money they can, to save up all the money they can so that they can retire in Florida. Don't go there. I'm telling you, don't go to Florida. It's going to break off and float into the middle of the sea. It's going to be an island. When people work hard, 65, I'm retirement. I'm going to sit on the beach. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Let me tell you something. If you do that, you're going to die. You know why? Because you were not created to do nothing. You were created to work. You were created to serve. You were created to love other people. You were created to keep growing in your acts of service. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you begin to serve, you'll start to feel, you'll start to feel a sense of purpose. You'll start to feel a sense of meaning. Let me tell you, the happiest people on the face of this earth are people that give their lives away to serve other people. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. what I love to do. You know why I love to serve? Because I was created in the image of God. God loves to serve. That's why he made everything. He served you when he made the earth. Listen, check this out. God actually made the earth for you, for me. He created all things, and when he was finished working, he took a day off. It's called the Sabbath. He rested on that day. For six days, he just kept on making and making and making and making and creating. You know why? Because he said, I want to give my children something. I want to serve them with something wonderful. Hallelujah. And then Jesus comes down from heaven and dies on the cross and shows us the ultimate act of servanthood to show us that when we serve, we become like Jesus because we were created to serve. And lastly, as the worship, as the worship team comes... When you serve, you give God an opportunity to do a miracle in you and through you. How many of you want to see a miracle in your life? Let me see your hands. Oh, man. Oh, man, let me tell you, you want to see miracles? Start serving. I'm reminded of the story in the Bible of that young boy. (laughs) He had a couple of loaves of bread and a little bit of pasta fazul. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And check it out. 
Jesus is teaching all day long. Who are you, team? Jesus is ministering all day long. And the Bible says that the people became hungry. And Jesus tells his disciples, listen to what he says. He says, you give them something to eat. And his disciples are like, are you crazy? Do you know how many people are here? There's 5,000 men. And these men, they have a lot of kids. Because Jewish people have a lot of kids. So Jesus, there's 5,000 men. They all have wives. So that's 10,000. And they all have an average of five to six kids. So you're talking about a lot, a lot, a lot of people that we're going to have to find food for. And they start making excuses. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money. We don't even have enough time. We don't have enough energy. You see, that's what most Christians do. They make excuses. I can't give to other people. I can't serve. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. How in the world can I do this? I don't have the resources. But Jesus said that to test their level of faith. And all of a sudden, this boy comes with his little bag, and he's got, some, he's got a couple of loaves of bread and some pasta fazul. And the kid says, hey, 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 I got something. I got some bread, and I got some pasta fazul. And what did the disciples say? Go home, kid. Are you crazy? Look at all these people. And the kid's like, no, wait. I'm telling you something. This guy, he's got something going on here. He's the Messiah. He can do miracles. That kid's saying, listen, I've been following that Jesus around. And that Jesus is cool, man. I mean, he's done all kinds of miracles. If he could tell the water to be still and the waves to cease, if he can open the eyes of the blind and cause the lame to walk, well, maybe he can take this little that I got and maybe he can multiply it. Get away, kid. You're crazy. No, no, no. I got this. Give it to the Messiah. And Jesus, he's getting the kick out of the whole thing. And so he says to the guys, okay, what do you got? Oh, we just got a little. So I, that's enough. That's all I need. You see, when you take the little that you have and you bring it to God, the Messiah, the little time, the little energy, the little resources, and you say, I want to bring it to God as an act of service, God takes that little and turns it into much I mean, I don't serve the largest church in the world numerically, but man, you guys have the, the biggest hearts in the whole world. So a couple of weeks ago, we have this hurricane, and I'm like, I got to do something. See, you always jump at the opportunity. When God puts an opportunity in your way, you know, everybody wants to pray about it. Everybody. I got to go home and pray about it. There's certain things you don't have to pray about. If there's somebody hungry, you give them something to eat. If somebody's crying out for something, you give them what they need. You find the need, need and you meet the need. You always, you go wherever you go, you say, God, here I am, God, use me, God. That's the beginning of being a servant of God. God, I just want you to use me, God. Lord, you put the opportunity in front of me and I'll take it, God. Now, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I, have, I, don't, I don't think there's anything sinful about it. I know some of you are going to send me a letter now because you're reading the scripture wrongly and using it out of context. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with getting a tattoo. I, I don't, biblically. I think, I don't know if it's, to me, I just don't like them. 
I mean, I'm thinking to myself, I, I look good just the way I am. I don't need a tattoo. I like my body just the way it is. Um, and some of you guys that got tattoos when you were younger, I'm telling you, it's permanent, man, permanent. Some of you guys, you got that tattoo when you were a sailor and you had that big chest and you put a battleship on it, it's starting to sink now. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> Those things are permanent, baby. Some of you got a tattoo and it said, I love Sally, and you're married to Margie now. You got a big problem. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a sin problem. I just think it's a permanent problem. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know. Some of you guys were into certain bands when you were back then. Now, you know, you don't want that on your arm anymore because they just, you know, so it's just permanent. That's all, you know, and I know there's a scripture in the Old Testament, don't mark your body. Yeah, it also says don't wash clothes with this and don't do that. So if you're going to be legalistic, go all the way. Don't pull a scripture out of context because you just don't like something. Come on, somebody. Let's be biblical here. Let's be biblically accurate. That's why you got to come to Grow University. So I'm not into tattoos. I, I just don't, I don't, I, they're not even, to me, they're not even attractive, to be honest. I'm just telling you. I know some of you like them. You put them all over the place, you know, on your head. You know, you're running out of space on your body because you just, I, but I get on a plane to go to Missouri and I say, God, can I just say yes to you, God, to whatever you want? Use me, God. So I sit on a plane, and this guy was supposed to sit behind me, but, but his seat was already taken, so he was really kind about it, and he said, no, nah, don't worry about it, I'll just sit here, and he sits right in the middle of me and this other guy, and he sits down, and his arms are tattooed all the way up, all the way up, and, and, and I said to myself, because I do this with everybody, not everybody, but most people that I sit with. Unless, you know, some people, they just put their earphones on and they don't want to know you and I can't, you know, but, but this guy was sitting there and I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to speak to him and I said, God, God, if you want me to talk to him about Jesus, open something up, help me to start a conversation. I look at the guy, he's got tattoos all over and I go, dude, I said, do those things hurt? He goes, not at all. He goes, this, this one, this arm here. This is my younger days, crazy days. And he's got all these like skulls and all these things like, ah, ah. very goth, gothic, you know? I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Pretty, 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 pretty. And, and, and on this arm, he's got, and this is my adult life. And I got into a conversation for an hour and a half about Jesus because I was just open just available and that's what God wants for you today he wants to know are you open are you available without making excuses why you can't do something because when you do that God begins to do a miracle through your life he can take your little resource your little time your little talent and turn it into something big so a couple of weeks ago there's this hurricane, and I stand up in front. Well, I was in here. I was away. But you saw a video, and this church responded, and we've been able to send over half a million dollars worth of supplies. Why? Because somebody said yes, and the little turned into a lot together. 
See, because when you serve, you make up the body of Christ. And when we serve all together, we create a miracle that's exponential and powerful. So I want you to stand to your feet right now. I was thinking about how do I end this sermon? And I was going to go out and buy like 1,500 towels, and my wife said, too expensive. (laughs) But I believe that God is calling every one of you in this room to serve. I believe the only way you'll ever find true satisfaction in your life is when you say, I give my life away. And I believe that if we all rise up together as a church, and we begin to say, yes, God, use me in my church, and use me in my community, and use me in this world. You know, i tell you the truth. I go on Facebook, and I see all these opinions. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. And to be honest with you, it just kind of ticks me off. Everybody has an opinion about why the world is this way and why the world's that way. And listen, if we would stop opinionating about everything and start just serving, we can change the world. Come on, somebody. We can change our world. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold up this towel. And if you want to be like Jesus and you want to be a servant, then I'm asking you in the balcony, in the cafe, wherever you are, I'm asking you to do one simple thing. Come touch this towel. Come touch the towel. Now listen, this towel doesn't have superpower. You're not going to get healed. You might. You might. You don't have to pay me to touch the towel. You don't have to send funds in to touch this towel. This is a symbol of servanthood to Christ. Yes, Lord, I step up. See, what God needs is people that will step up in this world, not make excuses, not be filled with fear, not be filled with all kinds of reasons why you can't serve. What this world is looking for is somebody to step up and touch the towel. So who's going to step up and touch the towel? I want you to come and step up and touch this towel and say, yes, Lord, I touch the towel because I want to be a servant. Come on, touch the towel. Come on. Touch the towel. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you make us servants, oh God. God is an act of faith, God. As an act of willingness to say yes, Lord, to you, Lord. We're touching the towel. And God, let it go from beyond just the touch, Lord. May we pick up the towel, God. And may we say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will do whatever you want me to do, God. Lord, here I am. Send me, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I give my life away, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let your Holy Spirit, let it come down right now, God. Let it anoint us, oh God. God, as we are here today, God, we ask for your power, Lord to anoint each person, God, that's touching the towel, God. Lord, I pray that you would work through them, God. Lord, I pray. Come on, everybody pray with me right now. Lord, I pray for a Holy Spirit servolution to happen, God. Lord, a revolution of people, God, that are not looking, oh God, to advance their own kingdom, God. Lord, a revolution of people that are not looking to get ahead, Lord, for their own sake, God. But God, that they would bow, oh God. They would go as low as they need to go, God. And Lord, they would wash the feet, oh God, of their brothers and sisters, God. That they 
would wash the feet of their enemies, God. That they would wash the feet of the needy and the poor, God. Lord, that they would wash the feet of this young generation that needs to see, Lord God, not people that are trying to get ahead, not people that are using religion, God, and churches for their own gain, Lord, not pastors that are kings of their castle, God, but pastors that are willing, Lord, to take off the, 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 the shirt, Lord God, and the tie, Lord God, and the jacket of power, God. Take off their power suits and say, yes, here I am. Use me, Lord, as a servant, God. Lord, because somebody's watching us today, God. Somebody's got to see reality, oh God, that, Lord, in reality, you've come, Lord God, to be a servant, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, close your eyes all across this place today. Just lift your hand towards heaven right now. And just begin to worship him today. And say, God, set a fire in my soul for serving others and you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Just begin to pray right now. Say, God, do it in me, Lord. There's somebody here, you've been praying, God, uh, I feel like you want me to be a missionary. God, I feel like you want me to be a pastor. God, I feel like you want me to launch out, God. Lord, but I've been making excuses. Lord, I feel like you want me to serve as a one group leader. Uh, Lord, I, I feel like you want me to serve as a teacher in the church. Lord, I, I feel like you want me to serve in the nursery, oh God. You want me to serve with the young people, God. But I've been making excuses for too long, God. I will serve you, God. I will serve you in the little, God. Lord, I will serve you in the many, Lord God. Lord, I will serve you because you, oh God, deserve my, my service to you, God. Come on. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus.